Let alone, we started this study last week, and we got all the way down to chapter one, verse two. Yeah, we did. We made some real headway there. And so, um, but uh, we're going to pick it up in verse three here. And last Sunday, we took some time in our study to really look at some of the background to what's going on here, and and to. Paul's relationship with the church at Philippi that he's writing to. And we saw as we were looking through Acts chapter 16 and Paul's second missionary journey as he's traveling through that he had a desire to go down into Asia, the Lord forbid him. He had a desire then to go up north to Bithynia and uh, the Lord forbid him again. And Paul's wondering, well, where where am I go? He just kept going forward and uh, stopped in Troas, and there in Troas that the Lord gave him a vision, a vision of a man that was calling out to him, a Macedonian man, calling out to him to say, come here, you know, to Macedonia. And so Paul saw that as a real word from the Lord. He goes to Macedonia, and, and as he's there, he comes to Philippi, the foremost city of that land, so Roman city, and uh, there's no synagogue there. He comes to the riverside, sees a woman, Lydia. They're worshiping with others down by the riverside. She's a Jew, but she doesn't have the full story yet. He shares with her. She gets saved, puts her faith in Jesus. It's exciting. As Paul continues on in Philippi, well, there's now a a, a demon-possessed girl that's following him along, along with her handlers, and and, uh, she's got quite a business going on of, uh, you know, um, divination and such. Well, she's shouting out, you know, these men are servants of the Most High God. Uh, they're explaining the way of salvation. It's pretty amazing that she's doing that. But after a few days, Paul's like, you know, I'm not going to let the enemy, you know, try to take credit for this work or partner with the enemy. He cast a demon out of this girl, and she's delivered. She, we would believe, gets saved as a part of the new church that's forming there, but the handlers aren't too excited about it. And so they take Paul to the, to the magistrates, the officials, and they throw him in prison after beating him. So this is Paul's start in Philippi. Doesn't seem like there's some good things, but it also seems like, what is going on here, you know? And, and it's with this context in mind that Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. Now, he's thrown in prison, but then again, the Lord delivers him. Great earthquake, the prison opens up, he's set free. And the Roman guard is sitting there going, uh-oh, I'm in trouble. If anybody gets out of prison, it's gonna be at my expense. Well, Paul's still there. He hasn't left anywhere. He's not gone. He says, it's okay, we're still here. And, and he leads this Roman guard to salvation in the Lord and him and his whole household. So here's the beginning of the church in Philippi, great work going on. And so Paul is writing with great affection to that church and to the people in Philippi. He saw some great things happening. He's full of just love and warmth. This, this letter, unlike any other letter that Paul writes, is just full of just the heart and love towards the people here, great affection. And so this is what Paul's saying, and it's almost like a thank you letter that we see at the beginning here. And he says in verse three, he says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you all with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. So here's Paul, and he's just bringing to mind, every time he goes to prayer, he brings to mind the Philippians. And he's just so thankful. And, and remember, it's been like 10 years since he was there in Philippi, the second missionary journey, to where Paul is now. And, and this is amazing because where's Paul writing this letter from? He's writing it from a Roman prison. He was in prison in Philippi. Well, he's back in prison in Rome now, awaiting his trial under Nero, thinking like, this could be the end of me. This could be my, my last days here. 
And yet he's writing this letter and he's expressing what? Just joy. I thank my God. Now, it, it may have gone very differently for Paul if he allowed himself to go that way. He could have looked back at the church in Philippi and go, man, you know what? Things weren't so great for me there. I went, I'm following this vision I got of a man. I never even saw that man. Who was he? Was that an imposter? Was that a fake? I go to Macedonia, I go to Philippi, I get thrown in prison, I'm beaten for it. I mean, like this is not, Paul could have been very bitter over his experience at Philippi. And yet he recognizes that all through those circumstances, God was at work and he's at work leading people to him to where Paul was going, man, you know what? Every time I think about you, I'm filled with joy. And that's really the whole theme of the book of Philippians, is that of joy. We're gonna see that every study, we're gonna see it every chapter we're in, we're gonna see this ongoing theme of joy and rejoicing in the Lord, why? Because Paul recognizes that my joy is not dependent upon my circumstances. Happiness is, we all like to be happy. We always talk about, oh, I just wanna be happy. And you see, the problem with happiness is it's very happenstance, it's very based on your circumstances, on your situations, right? You can have a good experience, you're happy, all of a sudden the next day something else happens and it's not a good experience, you're not happy any longer. But joy is not dependent on those things. Joy is rooted in and based on the, the life that we have in Jesus Christ. That doesn't change regardless of your circumstances. So Paul is sitting in prison in Rome and he's writing this letter full of love and, and affection to the people in Philippi and every time he thanks the Lord upon them, every time he remembers them, he just prays with joy, it says, with joy. He's so glad for what God's been doing and how God's been using him, despite sitting in prison right now. Paul knows this isn't the end of him, that God's still at work. And he's thrilled over the fact that when he went to Philippi, he's meeting a fashion mogul in Lydia. He's meeting a young demon-possessed girl that gets delivered, and a Roman guard, some probably very like tough, gruff guy, and this is the people that the Lord assembles together to start the church there. That's not the, the, the people that you would probably go into the city and go, okay, I'm gonna take this person, I'll take this person, I'll take that person. That's my dream team in church planning right now. That's not the people you typically be picking and yet that's who the Lord assembled together and Paul's going, this is so amazing because this is what God does. God brings people together from all different experiences and backgrounds. That's what Paul wrote about in Ephesians. We talked about the mystery of the gospel and how people from all different backgrounds are being brought together and made into this new humanity, this new body, which is the church, the body of Christ, and where we are united together and we have life together in and through Jesus Christ. And Paul's gonna be writing about this great work of the gospel through this chapter here that we're gonna be looking at. And Paul it's just filled with joy at the work of the Lord. And he's seeing just this great fellowship. Verse five, it says, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. That's what he's joining in, the fellowship of the gospel, or the fellowship in the gospel. This is sweet, deep fellowship that Paul has experienced. Now, we all like to throw that term around, don't we, fellowship? We're gonna go out for some fellowship. We're gonna go to White Spot. We're gonna have some fellowship. We're gonna go, you know, play some football. We're gonna go have some fellowship. We all like to throw that term around, you know, whatever we're doing, we're just having fellowship. But this idea of fellowship biblically goes much deeper than all of that. In fact, the word fellowship means to have in common or to share. But it was much more than a sharing of something. It's more so sharing in something. James Boyce says, participating in something greater than the people involved and more lasting than the activity of any given moment. When the Bible uses the word, it means being caught up into a communion 
that's created by God. Caught up into a communion that's created by God. In other words, then that fellowship is all linked to our relationship with Jesus. So regardless of who that person is beside you, regardless of what you've experienced in the past, because of your relationship with Jesus, there's now fellowship that we can all enjoy together. And Paul has this deep fellowship with these saints in Philippi because of the common heart and partnership that they all have gained in and through Christ and in seeing the gospel expand. These were people there in Philippi that were active in in sharing the gospel. Not only uh, were they excited about how it changed their lives, but they were excited in going and seeing that gospel go out and be shared with other people. It started with that first day of salvation. It's continuing until now. Ten years later, Paul is saying he's excited. He's seen this church formed and, and, and established and the work continue to go on, but it's also work that they're doing in, in serving Paul. Because notice something here. This fellowship was more than just a, a, a relational thing. This was a very giving thing that they were experiencing. That word fellowship is used also. It's translated in Romans uh, chapter 15, verse 26, as contribution. That same word in the Greek for fellowship is translated as contribution in Romans chapter 15. So many believe that Paul really has in mind, when he talks about this fellowship, it's not just a, a sharing of the gospel, which it is, but he's also saying, you are participating in this in the way that you contributed to my needs. We're gonna see in, in Philippians chapter four, uh, down the road when we eventually get to it, maybe, maybe in 2022, but we'll get there soon. And Paul's gonna talk about this gift that came as the Philippian church sent this man Epaphroditus to come and kind of tend to Paul and share with Paul, but he also brought a gift to Paul to contribute to his needs and to care for him so that the gospel could continue to go out and, and that Paul could continue to be strengthened to be, you know, just used to the Lord. So with that idea now, the contribution, the gift, that word fellowship kind of it's, it's interesting because it's also translated in newer translations as participation, fellowship or participation. I think that's a good word. They were, they were participators in the gospel. That's a good way to look at it, right? How many of us like to participate in things rather than just watch things? I don't know about you, but i much rather participate in things rather than just sitting back and watching it. My, my boys found a new watering hole, a swimming hole in, in Langley here. I don't know if I'm allowed to reveal the, the secret identity of it or anything like that. I'll, I'll keep it under wraps here because we don't want, want to, okay, is that cool? All right. And so, it, great little, and so they found this tree that fell down and it overextends the, the, the creek that it's at and uh, you can jump off there, kind of do a little bit of, you know, cliff jumping on this tree jumping in this little swimming hole. It's very cool. And so they took me there yesterday and I'm watching them jump off and I'm like, That's, that looks like a lot of fun. I could just sit there and watch, or I could go, I want to participate in that. I want to get in, I want to get in on that. Now, I'm also going, it's April. This water's typically cold, even in the summertime. How much colder is it going to be in April? I don't know if I really want to do this, but I'm like, I'm going for it. I got up there, and I jumped in, and it was a blast. And it's much more fun, I'm sure you'll know, to participate in things rather than just watching. I don't know if I'll, I'll do it again, but I'm glad I did it that first time here. But it was good. And so this is the idea that Paul is getting at here is that, man, I'm taking joy in you. I'm excited. I'm thanking my God for you because of your fellowship or participation in the gospel. Whether that's linked to the contribution of a gift or linked to just 
seeing the gospel going out and being spread to other people. They were enriched by themselves and they're spreading it on as well. May we be fellowshipping in this more so. May we be participating in these things and being active in our, in our walk with the Lord. Maybe, and, and, and I like what Paul says there, it, it was from the first day until now. And now how about you? Maybe, maybe you've experienced yourself where, like I remember those days when I used to be out there and telling everybody about Jesus. Well, I've kind of calmed down a little bit now and, and maybe I don't really share, evangelize, or spread the gospel as much as I should. Maybe, maybe we've gotten to a point where we've kind of become a little bit complacent. Here's what I would encourage you to do. This isn't a, this isn't a you gotta do more or try harder type call. This is an encouragement to recall those first days of salvation. Because it's so easy for us to kind of just settle in and just sort of get into routine and go, okay, I got this living for Christ thing down. But remember what that was like when you first understood the gospel. When you first understood the work, and maybe you're watching online or you're here and you're going, okay, we've well, talked a lot about gospel. What does that exactly mean? Well, the gospel is just the, the good news of Jesus Christ, that Jesus came to this world as one of us. He clothed himself in humanity to identify with us. He died on a cross to pay the penalty for our sin. He died and he rose again, securing life. He defeated sin and death, and he's now imparted to all those that put their trust in him. He's imparted to them life and life eternally. That's the gospel, the good news. And, and you know what that was like when you first received that yourself. You're like, what? I can be saved? Regardless of what I've done? I don't have to do it. I just need to put my trust in Jesus. I need to just simply receive his free gift of salvation? That's amazing. This is so good. I got, and you're going out to your friends, and your friends, you go, have you heard what Jesus has done? I gotta share this with you. And you are so excited. And maybe over the years, it's kind of calmed down. I wanna encourage you. Man, recall those days where it was at the first day when you got saved and you knew the excitement and the joy you experienced in knowing the gospel truth, the good news that Jesus saved you, that Jesus has forgiven you. Go back, like, like Jesus says in Revelation, go back to your first love. Remember that first love that you had. And may that renew your heart and excitement and passion for Jesus to go and share with others. May you be filled with joy in Jesus. And remember, this joy, as Paul talks about that in verse four, making a request for you all with joy. That word joy, you know, can really, I think, be defined well, looking at that acronym for joy. The key for joy is this, Jesus others you and I actually don't even like the the you part I, I kind of feel like man we're just called to die to self not even think about ourselves and think about so I just kind of change that and go let's just go with back to Yahweh we'll just go Jesus others and just forget you just go back to the Lord here it's just really all about him and so understand we can get so caught up in living our lives for self where we just kind of get so focused on self and if we are living for self guess what man, you're not gonna be experiencing much joy. Because when you think life revolves around you, you're gonna quickly find yourself in great misery. Because you're gonna quickly see that you're not the center of the universe. As we oftentimes like to think of it, think of ourselves as. You begin to see that there's other competing objects flying through that universe that's bumping you, and sometimes bumping you right out of that universe. And you're like, what's going on? This isn't the way it's supposed to be. I want things to line up with what I want, my agendas, my ideas. And when that when you're focused on those things, you're gonna find that, man, joy is gonna be robbed from you. 
There's no way to have joy in that. Joy is saying, I'm going to live for Jesus. I want to live for his glory. I want, to, I want to serve other people and see them brought into fellowship with Jesus, brought into salvation of Jesus. When your focus is on him and serving others, man, that's when you're going to begin to experience greater joy in your life. The quicker you can say, it's not about me, it's all about Jesus. It's all about seeing lives changed through the good news and the gospel of Jesus Christ, then you're gonna to begin to see joy increase in your life despite the things that you might be going through and the circumstances that are around you. Because joy is not dependent on those things. It's based in Jesus. And as you're living for him, for his glory, joy can be consistent in your life. And then Paul goes on to say in verse six, and again, another quotable verse here, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Paul was able to look back on the believers at Philippi and commend them for their participation and fellowship in the gospel as we had just read, but he's also able to be confident now that the Lord will continue his work in them until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, you might be asking, well, what is it that needs to be completed? Aren't we already complete in Christ Jesus as Colossians 2 verse 10 tells us? Yeah, you are complete in Christ Jesus, but you're not yet all that you will be. You see, there's a problem. Though we are saved and forgiven, and we are through our faith in Jesus Christ, we still carry around this dead carcass, this old man that still has a bit of fight in him. Now, in Christ we're made new, but that old person, the flesh, still has a way of tripping us up from time to time, and that can get annoying, it can be very frustrating, and we can begin to question, am I really a child of God? Has God really saved me? But Paul says, listen, your salvation is a work of the Lord. He started it, and he's gonna finish it. It's wrapped up in him. God is gonna keep working in you to perfect you until that dead carcass is no more and we finally put on perfection. Notice what Paul says in, in Philippians 3, verse 20, if you wanna just flip over there a page or so. Philippians 3, verse 20, says this. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will do what? He's gonna transform your lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. Jesus is gonna bring all things in line to him and to his glory. And that's gonna happen when we see him, when we're with him. We're gonna be made new. We're gonna have our lowly bodies, these dead carcasses completely transformed where this old man is put away once and for all, where we receive the fullness of our redemption. You see, God began that work for us when Jesus died on a cross to forgive us our sins, his work in us started when we first believed. And now as believers, his spirit is working through us as he empowers us to live this life for Christ and like Christ. Hey, this is the work of sanctification that we're all undergoing. We're all works in progress. None of us have arrived. None of us have finished the race. We're all works in progress that the Lord is continuing to work on. So understand something, when you get saved, you're just hitting that starting line. Sometimes we get that idea like, oh, I'm saved. 
I finally received Jesus. I've arrived. I've made it. Here I am. I'm in. Now I just kind of wait for heaven. No, when you get saved, you're just hitting that starting line. This is where the fun and the journey really begins. This is where you get to walk with the Lord and see the Lord at work in your life and through your life. This is where you get to just continue to serve him and abide in him. This is just starting the race. And understand something, that the Lord's not requiring you to finish or to make it on your own. Paul says very clearly, he's working in you and he's gonna complete this work in you. He's gonna lead you through. All we're called to do is abide in him, keep our eyes fixed on him, keep serving the Lord faithfully and the Lord takes us through. You know, there's a lot of people that really doubt their salvation that always are troubled over, am I really saved? Am I, am I really gonna go to heaven? And, and the reason oftentimes is because they're putting the onus on themselves. And they're going, I must try harder, I must do more. I'm really trying to be a good person. And when they see that they mess up and they do something that's more a mark of the old man, they're like going, oh man, I blew it, I messed up. I don't know, am I really saved? Am I really gonna make it? And you're putting the emphasis upon your own works instead of saying, it's the work of the Lord. He has saved me. And he's gonna be faithful to complete that work. He's got me. He's continuing to refine me, do the work. All I need to do is keep following him, keep living for him. See, if my salvation was left a matter to me, and then I'd be in great trouble. I got a lot of projects I'd like to start I'm not so well at finishing some of them, though. And it'd be the same with our lives and our, our salvation. We'd be probably a, a long way from completing this on our own. It's the Lord that does that work. And we're assured of that here in this great verse in Philippians. We see it elsewhere in Scripture. John 6, verse 38 says, For I've come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me, that of all he has given me, I should lose nothing, but should raise it up at the last day. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Those are great words, isn't it? Great words spoken from Jesus himself. When we give our lives to Jesus, we're truly guaranteed eternal life. When you place your life in his hands, you're in good hands, and nothing can pluck you out of his hands, John 10, verse 28 tells us. You're in good hands when you commit your life to Jesus. And when you commit your life to Jesus, he's gonna be faithful to complete that work in you until the day of Jesus Christ. Now, some of you might look at that and go, until the, it's not like a deadline to get everything straightened out and worked out, and until the day of Jesus Christ, then we're on our own. What, what is that all about? No, the day of Jesus Christ simply means the day that we're gonna be with him. For many of us, I hope and pray that that's gonna be at the rapture when he raptures the church. Now, I believe this is what Paul has in mind, and the rapture of the church is very different than the second coming of Christ. See, the rapture is Jesus coming for his bride, the church, and the second coming, as Revelation 19, verse 14 tells us, is Jesus coming with his bride, the church. He comes for his church where he brings us back home with him to heaven during the tribulation period that's not designed for believers. And then he comes again at second coming. But if we're alive at the rapture, that's the day of Jesus Christ when we're with him. And 1 John 3 tells us that we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. 
This is when our lowly bodies are transformed. When, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15, our corruption will put on incorruption and our mortality will put on immortality. When we are transformed in the blink of an eye, in the twinkling of an eye, we're gonna be made new and we're gonna inherit the fullness of our redemption. That's what Paul's talking about. That's when it's gonna be complete. Until then, until we're with him, we keep serving the Lord knowing I'm a work in progress but I wanna allow the Lord to keep working in me and refining me and, and, and shaping me to be more like him. That's that work of sanctification. Man, some believers are sadly almost fearful over the rapture, thinking, I don't know if the Lord came back right now at the rapture. I don't know if I'm gonna be ready. Well, none of us are, are ready in a sense that we're not all that we're going to be. But the Lord is gonna complete that work when he brings us home. When he receives us to himself, that work will then be completed. And if your faith is in Jesus, then you just keep continuing on in excitement and joy to be with Jesus knowing that that's when we receive the fullness of this redemption and salvation. Now that reminder here in verse six would have been a great encouragement, I believe, for Paul as well. Sitting in a prison cell, Sitting here thinking, oh, the Lord's gonna complete that work. The Lord will continue on. I don't need to fear what, what lies tomorrow or what's gonna happen to me in the next hour. The Lord's gonna complete that work till the day of Jesus Christ. I believe for us too, whatever your situation is right now, remember, God isn't done with you yet. I love the quote by George Whitefield, you are immortal until your work on earth is done. The Lord has you in his hands and he's gonna use you, he's gonna lead you, he's gonna protect you until he says, it's time for you to come home. Time for you to receive the completion of this salvation. See, we're saved right now from the penalty of sin. We're being saved from the, um, being saved from the power of sin and one day we will be saved from the presence of sin. There's a a continual work that the Lord is doing. We've been saved from the penalty of sin, we're being saved from the power of sin, and one day we will be saved from the presence of sin where it will be no more when we are with Christ face to face. Oh, what a day that will be when my Savior I shall see. When I look upon his face, and what's the next line? The one who saved me by his grace, thank you. I knew it had grace in there, but I blanked there for a second. The one who saved me by his grace, what a day that will be. Well, let's finish up verse seven and eight here. Paul writes, just as it is right for me to think this of you all because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my chains and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you all are partakers with me of grace. For God is my witness, how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Paul was getting a little, so I don't know, Macedonia changed him because he keeps saying y'all. He says it in verse, in verse four, making a request for y'all with joy. Verse seven, it's right for me to think of y'all. And verse eight again, he says, I long for y'all with the effects. He's just like, Macedonia changed him, man. He's turning a little bit southern, I guess. I don't know. But Paul shared how he was thinking, right, about the Philippians and how he was thanking God for them in verse three. He was uh, thankful of their participation, being partakers in the gospel there in verse five. But now Paul states that this isn't just him thinking about them. No, he says, I have you in my heart. There's a deep love 
for the people in Philippi that's more than just, well, I'll pray for you when I remember you. It's like, man, every prayer, I'm thanking my God for you with joy. You're in my heart. And more so, in the Greek, it, it can be worded as not just that Paul has the Philippian believers in his heart, but they have Paul in their heart. There's that mutual bond that's existed through this love and commonality that they have in and through the gospel, in and through Jesus Christ. And I love what Paul says at the end of verse 7, they, they become partakers with me of grace. Paul recognizes that they're on the same team. They've all received salvation and forgiveness through grace. So Paul just was growing in his love for them based on the commonality that they have in their partnering of the gospel and because they're all one in Christ. See, when you see that person next to you, when you see that person that's, you know, in the church that you don't know and you might think, oh man, I don't know if I really want to talk to that person. I don't think we're going to have much in common. Understand that there are people that have received the grace of Jesus Christ the same way that you've needed and received the grace of Jesus Christ. And you begin to see there's a whole lot more that unites you than does not unite you. There's a whole lot more that you have in common. Jesus just trumps everything else. And you could have nothing else in common, but if you've got Jesus at the forefront uh, of what is binding you together, that's sufficient. Because as we see, joy is all about serving Jesus, serving others. Living for Jesus, living for others. You see the commonality and you get to enjoy growing in just love for one another. Jesus said in, in, in or sorry, John writes in 1 John 3, 14, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brethren. He does not love his brother, abides in death. Love is to be paramount. And there's no excuse. There's no reason to say, well, I can't really love that person because, well, they're so different. You can't love them. No, love goes beyond that. If they're in Christ, man, it is love should be natural. And here's why it should be natural. Look at what, what Paul writes here in verse eight. For God is my witness how greatly I long for you all with the affection of Jesus Christ. Here's why it should be very natural. Because if you're in Christ, you yourself have received the love of Jesus. And as Paul writes, man, I have such a, an affection for you and it's the affection of Jesus Christ. Paul says, I've experienced this, I've received this. And now that same way that I received it, I extend it out to you. I love you because Jesus is enabling me to love you and because I've experienced that in and through him as well. This should be a natural byproduct of our being in Christ, loving one another, having a deep affection for others. Christians should not just be tolerating one another as often is the case. Christians should not be looking to avoid other believers, we should have a warm affection toward those in the church because we're all in the same boat here. We were all destined for hell and judgment, but God had mercy on us, forgave us, and he's brought us into the family of God together as one. That's something that we should say, man, I love my brothers and sisters here. Paul, remember, grew up as a Jew, being taught Gentiles are the enemy of God. They're to be despised. And now Paul is writing to a predominantly Gentile church saying, I have deep affection for you. You're in my heart. I love you. And that all comes simply because of Paul's connection and relationship with Jesus. 
It's a supernatural work that Jesus has done in his life. Paul's come to know that God saves all people, and he does it on the merit of Jesus' work towards us and not our own. This is such a wonderful look at, at true Christian fellowship here. And it's something you can't enjoy over a, a sporting event or a, a night of playing canasta. Any canasta players in the room here? Anyone? Okay, I have never played canasta, but I do like playing cards. But, and, and there's nothing wrong with that. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying you can't do that. That's great, man. I'm, I'm always up for a good card game if you are. But um, true fellowship is linked to and wrapped up in, in Jesus. And if Jesus isn't a part of that time together, that's not true true Christian fellowship. True fellowship is rooted in the gospel. It's rooted in Jesus. It ties us together through God's grace and it brings about that tender affection for one another. And and, and we ought to be experiencing this here. But more so, you need to be living it out. If by chance this is something that you feel is lacking in your life, don't blame others. Don't look at others and go, wow, they're just so hard to love. Begin to demonstrate that wonderful quality of a life that has received the unconditional love of Jesus Christ by his grace. And begin to see others as recipients of that same love and grace and grow in that affection one to another. Jesus says, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let's pray. Worship team, would you come on up? Heavenly Father, we just bow our hearts before you here today. And this is such a reminder of the way that you bring people together in just uniting them with that common purpose and goal. And it's all wrapped around the gospel. It's wrapped around us being saved through the gospel of Jesus Christ, finding life in you and living that life with one another in love and affection, in joy. There's nothing greater than just enjoying that Christian fellowship that's centered around you. And I pray that, Lord, that would abound more and more here in this place. I pray that, Lord, you would remove obstacles, that you would keep us away from distractions and things that ultimately don't matter. And may we keep things about you, Jesus. May we keep our eyes on you. May we keep you the main thing here in what we do, what we discuss, our conversations may be about you and sharing with others just how awesome you are, what you've done in our lives and asking what you've been doing in other people's lives that our our fellowship may really be centered around you. Just grow us in those things. Grow us in, in affection and unity and love one to another that comes from you, Lord. And may we be those that are strong proponents of the gospel, being participators in the good news going out. And if you're watching today, your eyes are just closed here. If you're watching online or you're in this place right now and maybe you're wondering, am I really a participant or a partaker, I should say, of grace? Have I truly understood that and received that? Maybe as we talked about the gospel this morning, you've been curious if you've received that for yourself. Well, the Bible simply says that all who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. And your, your, your job is simply to confess your sin, to turn from it, and to put your trust in Jesus as your Lord and your Savior. He came and died on the cross to forgive you your sin and to give you life. He rose again to secure eternal life for you. And if you're here today and you don't know whether you're saved or not, all, 
All you need to do is pray a simple prayer like this. Jesus, I confess I'm a sinner and I acknowledge my need for you to forgive me my sin and to save me. So I pray, Jesus, come and be my Lord and my Savior. I surrender my life to you. Would you come and be my Lord and my Savior? Would you cause me to find new life in you? And if you pray that today, the Bible says you become a born again new creation and you have eternal life. You have assurance that when this life passes, you're moving on to eternal life with Jesus Christ. If you prayed that today for the first time, would you let us know whether it's by emailing the church, calling the church, or if you're here today, come and talk to me after the service. I'd love to share more with you. But know that good news of the gospel, and let's be participators in it as partakers of his grace. So Lord, thank you for the work you've done. Just pray that you'll just lead us on in all that you have for us. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. We're going to introduce a new song to you today in closing. Uh, it's kind of like our theme song for the book of Philippians. And it's, I think, just a very timely song for all that we're going through, uh, just in general, how great it is to come and gather together in the house of the Lord and just experience the joy of the Lord. So that's a new song. We're going to teach it right after Emily shares some announcements with us here.